Welcome and thanks for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. To learn more about Community Christian Church, visit us online at cccsterling.org. Well, this morning, we are so blessed to have someone come share with us her story about how God has moved in power in her life and done some transformational things. I know you are going to be so blessed. So let's welcome Hannah Blakely as she comes to the stage this morning. Um, I just want to start off by praying, calm my nerves a little bit. Father, I just thank you for this time. I just pray that your spirit would speak through me and that it would touch the hearts of your people. God, that they would not hear my words, that I would not be the superstar in this story, God, but it would be all about you and that you would receive the glory, that no flesh would glory in your sight, God, but that your spirit would move and that your people would be changed, encouraged, and strengthened through what you have done in my life, God, because you are not a respecter of persons. Father, I thank you in Jesus' name, amen. I wanna ask a question. What if your life was a story that people could read? Would people find encouragement? Would they be strengthened by the things that you've gone through? Would they be able to find some sort of hope? Would they learn from your failures and your mistakes? The people that we read about in the Bible, they had no idea that as they lived their daily lives, that these stories were gonna be written down. And here thousands of years later, we would be receiving encouragement and hope and that we would learn from their failures and mistakes. Well, today I'm going to give you a few chapters from the story in my life. And I'm hoping that you will draw strength and encouragement. Um, this story starts about seven years ago. Um, you've heard me talk about it before, some of you, when um, I lost my daughter, Grace. Um, I think about that story a lot, not just because of the loss that took place, but because of the transformation that took place um, in my relationship with God. It was a time that I almost walked away. Part of the reason that I almost walked away is because I was trusting in and looking to the God that I had created in my mind, not the God that he was and who explained himself to be in the Bible, but who I had made him to be and who I had made him to be had failed me. Through this story, I learned some lessons about grace and I'm going to reflect to you those lessons that I've learned. The first lesson that I learned was that you are never alone in the storm. In Matthew 14, 30 through 31, reads, But when he, Peter, saw the wind, he was afraid, and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. This scripture gives me encouragement through my own storm because what I focus on is that Jesus was right there. Immediately, when he cried out, Jesus reached out and saved him. I was not alone in the storm, though I felt that I was. Um, in 2001, I suffered several miscarriages before becoming pregnant with our daughter, Grace. Um, 
For her baby shower, we planned for the theme to be Daddy's Little Angel. Little did I know that I felt in some way the Holy Spirit was trying to prepare us for what was about to take place. Um, I went into labor in January 2012 and just kind of felt some things were not quite right. When we uh, arrived at the hospital, they could not find a heartbeat. Eight hours later, I gave birth to a stillborn. That was the worst day of my life. I was so angry at God that he would allow us to get through nine months of pregnancy, get to the hospital the day that we were thought that we were delivering and would bring home this child, just for us to have to walk away and leave the hospital empty-handed. I felt betrayed. We had no warning signs that this was going to happen. I didn't talk to God for a while. I felt like I had nothing to say to him. When I finally did talk to him, I confessed my anger and I, I felt betrayed and abandoned. And in my heart, I felt God say to me, I lost my son too, except I did it for you. And it was in that moment that I realized I was not alone. God had not abandoned me. He hadn't turned his back on me, but he was right in the midst of that storm with me. He felt my pain, and he was gonna walk with me through the pain. That I would come out on the other side of this because I was not alone, because he was with me. He knew exactly how I felt, and so he knew what it would take for my heart to be healed completely. <clears throat> The second lesson that I learned was that God can heal you in unexpected ways. In Mark 8, 22 through 25, it reads, they came to Bethesda and some people brought a blind man and begged Jesus to touch him. He took the blind man by the hand and led him outside the village. When he spit on the man's eyes, I'm sorry, I have to stop there. Every time I read this scripture, I say, okay, Jesus spit on his eyes. The only thing that makes sense to me is the man was blind and he didn't see it coming. So, <laughs> so after Jesus spits on him, he says, do you see anything? That's just a strange question. Anyways, I'm going to keep going. He looked up and said, I see people, they look like trees walking around. Once more, Jesus put his hands on the man's eyes. Then his eyes were opened. His sight was restored, and he saw everything clearly. About a month after this, I got pregnant with our rainbow child, PJ. For those of you that don't know what a rainbow child is, it's a child that is conceived and born after a loss of some sort. The reason why this was a healing moment for me is because this was an unexpected pregnancy. I got pregnant three months after we lost our daughter, so PJ was born 10 days shy of the day that we lost our daughter a year later. Um, I remember that pregnancy and I, I had to choose. Am I going to be upset and grieve and, and continue to be angry or am I going to be joyful and embrace this gift that God has given us? PJ was born January 17th and it was a beautiful gift from God. And 
I chose in that moment that I was going to be grateful because we had been given a gift that we didn't think we were going to receive. But God saw fit. Of course, grief still comes in waves. We still think of grace. But we still praise God for the gift in PJ that he's given us. Just as the dust settled, we suffered a different kind of loss. In December 2014, just about a month before PJ turned two, he was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. This was a big deal to me because I had lost my grandfather to type 1 diabetes from the complications. In my mind, this was a death sentence. I was terrified that I was going to now lose my son. The difference being it would be from my hand. He was only two years old. He couldn't administer his own insulin, so this was something that me and my husband had to do for him. I felt like if I made one mistake, it could cost him his life. To add to the stress, I had planned on taking a trip to Kenya in two weeks. I had prepared for this trip for nine months simply because I felt that God told me to go. And here it was two weeks before I was supposed to leave and my son had diabetes and I thought he was gonna die. And I had to make a decision. Was I gonna listen to God and go? Or was I going to allow fear to keep me trying to protect my son? My husband urged me to go because God told me to. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done. But this is where I learned lesson three. Grace teaches you to look toward the future and let go of the past. Before I left, I confessed to God that I was struggling with trusting him and it was affecting my ability to completely love him and to completely accept his love that he was giving to me. God gave me the scripture in 1 John 4, 18 through 19. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. I wasn't able to fully love God because I wasn't convinced that he loved me. This caused me to be tormented by fear, but God longed to show me the depth of his love for me. When I left for Kenya, I wrote this prayer. Father, teach me all that you have for me to learn through this trip. Open my heart to heal and overcome fear. Enlarge my capacity to be compassionate and bless others. Allow me to represent you well and cause others to glorify your name. Amen. When I was in Kenya, I was there for two weeks but um, I was going to visit a, a child that I sponsored. I had sponsored her for eight years. Her name was Yasmin. And though I was gonna be there for two weeks, I would only get to spend one day with her. The rest of the time we were visiting churches and seeing how the program was won. 
I was discussing this with my roommate one night, and it hit me. I had prepared nine months for this trip to see my sponsored daughter for one day, just like I had been pregnant with Grace for nine months, and I only was able to spend a day with her. Once again, that fear came bubbling back up, and I had no clue what God was going to do. I was terrified, and I was on the other side of the world, away from my family, with an eight-hour difference, and I have to confess, I was too worried and anxious to pray. I tried to get through those two weeks without thinking much about what what was going through my mind. One day we had got a chance to visit one of the centers with the children. There was about 400 children there and we got to see how everything was run. Just so happens that there was this little girl named Grace who kept following us around. (laughs) I had been avoiding little girls named Grace. But she kept following our group. She wasn't following me in particular. And um, I didn't know who she was because she wasn't one of the children that belonged to this church. Um, I later found out that her mother used to work for the company that I was there with, and she heard we were coming, so she came to visit. Turns out her name was Carolyn. And it, it just, I couldn't believe it. Her name was Carolyn, and she had a daughter named Grace. This could not have been a coincidence. During the day, um, we got a chance to spend some time with the kids, and there was a group of children that were in the schoolyard, and they were dancing, and I went over because I love to dance. And in the middle of this circle was this little girl named Grace, and she was dancing, and she grabbed my hand. She pulled me in, and I started dancing with her. And though I know it was not my daughter, I was dancing with Grace. And somehow, (laughs) the God of the universe had rearranged all of these circumstances and took me halfway across the world to show me that he would move whatever he needed to move to show me that he loved me. I understand that he died on the cross for each and every one of us, and he loves each and every one of us. But he did this for me because I needed to know that he loved me. And I was blown away. I had not known God that personally, that he would just know exactly how intimately I needed to be healed, and he would do just that. Thank you. On our final day there, I was privileged to meet Yasmin, the little girl that I had been sponsoring for the first time. It was a day filled with encouragement and love and expectation in the future. With Grace, that one day was about death and loss and devastation. But this day with Grace, I mean with Yasmin, was completely different. It was about hope. It was about joy. It was about love. It was about the future. And Isaiah 43, 18 through 19 came to me. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. 
See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. God was urging me to look towards the future and let go of the past. I'll never forget Grace, but I will remember her in a, with a whole different perspective. God used this experience to heal me, to show me his love, and to deepen my relationship with him, and to deliver me from fear. At that moment, I was a living witness to Psalm 34 and 4 that says, I sought the Lord, and he answered me, and he delivered me from all of my fears. After this experience, not only did I believe that God loved me, I experienced his love firsthand. Two more scriptures came to me while I was there. It was Ephesians 3, 17 through 19. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of God's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. In Isaiah 61 and 3, and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to be Stow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. When I returned home from Kenya, I still came home to a two-year-old that was diabetic that I still needed to learn how to care for. But it was then that I learned lesson number four, which is that God gives you hope in the darkness. James 1, 2 through 4 reads, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete not lacking anything. As I was trying to care for my two-year-old, I became frustrated and overwhelmed every day because I literally felt like his life was in my hands. And if I made one mistake, one mistake, it would cost him his. Type 1 diabetes, unlike type 2 diabetes, is an autoimmune disease. That means PJ's immune system was attacking his pancreas. Um, at the time, we would have to take a syringe and draw um, insulin from a vial and give him injections six times a day. It's funny that the Holy Spirit gave me this illustration to bring peace. He said, so many times I attack myself being my worst enemy, causing my own stress and frustration. I needed to draw from the Holy Spirit and allow him to do in me what I couldn't do in myself. Just like when we drew the insulin and gave it to PJ, that insulin would do in him what he couldn't do himself. That gave me peace and gave me an ability to be able to care for my son knowing once again that I wasn't doing this alone. The Holy Spirit was with me every step of the way. 
Just as I was becoming comfortable with caring for my son, uh, we were asked into a meeting at the church we were attending with the church leaders. Um, Apparently there had been some concern with the nursery staff about caring for a two-year-old diabetic. I I completely understood that. We we had our own concerns. Um, But we were asked not to bring him to church anymore. They said no one felt comfortable taking care of him, so it would be best for us to leave him at home. They even suggested that me and my husband take turns staying at home with him so that one of us could attend church, but he needed to stay home. We explained that PJ was diabetic and that, you know, we were learning how to care for him and we understood that they were not comfortable and that we would be willing to um, help them out and and teach them whatever they needed to do to become comfortable. Um, They neglected that. Um, They said he was not allowed in children's church as long as he was diabetic. And we said, you know, diabetes is a lifelong illness. it's, It's not going away without a miracle from God. And they said, well, we better pray for a miracle. Now, I want you to understand that I completely, 100% believe that God can heal my son. I also, (laughs) I also believe that we don't get to choose what that looks like. We don't get to choose when that happens. For some people it's medication, some people it's surgery, some people it's a miraculous healing where they are completely healed. And other people, it's not until on this side of glory that they become um, able to receive their healing. We made the decision that we were going to leave. We wanted to be in a place that would be accepting of our son and that we could worship together as a family. It was a devastating decision, but one that we felt necessary. We stayed at home for a few weeks trying to decide what to do. We had not wanted to leave our church, but we felt that we didn't have much of a choice. Um, We made a couple, a list of a couple of churches that we would visit. And uh, surprisingly, CCC was not on the list. (laughs) We actually received a flyer. It was right before our Resurrection Sunday. And, um, and I said, oh, um, I remember this church around the corner. I said, I, I think we'll, we'll go and visit. Um, it just so happens that on Resurrection Sunday, the entire house had flu bug. So we couldn't make it that week. <clears throat> but I went the following week simply because I needed to be in the presence of the Lord. And I wasn't feeling very close to him at that time. I just couldn't understand the series of events that had been taking place. Some things had happened that were devastating, but God had been there every step of the way. And now in the place that I felt the closest to him, we had been turned away. I didn't have a whole lot of hope in church anymore. But I decided to give this one a chance. I came to church alone that day because I was the only one that was feeling well. I had already decided that I was going to sit in the back of the church and make a beeline for the door as soon as we were dismissed. (laughs) But God had other plans. I did come, I did sit in the back. But something was different from the time I hit that door. 
I was greeted with a smile. I was loved on, I was hugged. And someone asked me how I was doing and waited for the response. This doesn't happen often in church, and I know it doesn't seem like that big of a deal, but you have no idea what people are going through when they come through those doors. And I know now that we make an effort, a concentrated effort, to make every person feel seen and loved and known. And I felt that when I came here. Sitting in the back of the church, I was able to be in the presence of other believers and in the presence of God that I hadn't felt in so long. And I cried the entire service because I was just overwhelmed. I still planned on leaving as soon as pastor was done. <laughs> but before I could even make it out of the service, I was stopped by Bonnie Gaiason. And I didn't know it at this time, but this was a woman who knew what it felt like to lose a child. This was a woman who knew firsthand what it was like to take care of a child with a chronic illness. And it wasn't by happenstance that this was the, per the first person that I had a conversation with at CCC. We were able to connect because of our pain. And we were able to support one another and pray for one another because we had a common ground of what we had gone through. I wasn't on the other side of it yet, but I saw someone who was. And that immediately gave me some encouragement that there was another side to this. She invited me to Bible study that following Tuesday. And I was so overwhelmed by the greeting that I had at this church that I had to find out more. I came to Bible study and I was surrounded by women that encouraged me and supported me and prayed for me, even though they didn't know who I was. And I had no idea how much I needed that. I was introduced to Pastor Therese and to Natalie, who both knew what it was like when they lost baby Anthony. They were able to grieve with me and to support me and to show me what healing truly looks like when you do it with God. Another person that really stood out to me was Judy Oginski. One of my fears was that PJ wouldn't be able to grow and live a normal, healthy life. But Judy, who's also type 1 diabetic, has lived a, a long and normal life. She has children, she's been married, and I get to look at her and just looking at her as an encouragement that my son can do it too. He can live a healthy life. Shortly after we came here, we took the Understanding God class. I was introduced for what I feel the very first time to the God of the Bible. I had grown up in church and somewhere along the way, I had created this God that I thought he was and who he was in my mind. 
And, and as I looked back, I, I don't even know how, it was, how I thought that it wasn't based on scripture at all, but in my mind, this is who God was and I was completely wrong. We took this class and I was introduced to God. And we began to grow as a family. I began to mature and be grounded in the word of God, not based on what Carolyn thought, but based on what God said. We were surrounded with people that were mature and showed us that this is how you mature in Christ. We were given a solid foundation through the word. And we were shown with the sermons transparency and practical steps about how to grow and mature in God. It was then that I began to learn the lesson Number five, God desires to heal your heart completely. Ephesians 3 and 20, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we can ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work in us. I couldn't have asked God for more, but he definitely had more in store for me. In April of this year, I got a call I have about 19 or 20 half-siblings through my father. And I've always known this, but we've never met. And they decided that they wanted to meet for the first time. And I knew that I was one of 21, and it always made me feel like I was just a number. I didn't grow up knowing my biological father. But for the first time, I was going to meet my siblings, and it brought up a lot of old feelings that I had. One of the things is the origin of my name. I was named Carolyn after my father's mistress. And this caused a lot of shame. I always felt like I was deeply flawed and that that flaw is what caused my father to reject me and that no one would love me because my father couldn't. This was something I had buried in my heart and it wasn't something that I spoke about. I was too ashamed of it. But God decided that it was time to deal with that. He began to show me who I really was in him through the scriptures. And over time, he began to transform me into the person that he wanted me to be, not the person I had created for myself. I apparently do that a lot. <laughs> I began to fully embrace who God created me to be. And so I decided to change my first name. I went through the process over the summer of legally changing my name to Hannah. And this was a symbol of what God had done in and through my life. And I just wanted it to be a constant reminder. When people would call me Carolyn, it would remind me of all of the guilt and the shame that I carried in my past and who I was. I wanted to be reminded of who God created me to be, of the new creature that he had made me to be. And I wanted to stand firm in that, so I wanted it to be official. 
In Genesis 3, 24 through 28, it says, So Jacob was left alone and wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. Then the man said, Your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with humans and have overcome. And just like Jacob, I wanted to be somebody new. And I wanted to be constantly reminded and reaffirmed of who I am. Hannah was not a random name that I chose. Hannah means grace. So it reminds me of my daughter. And I can look back at that name and look back at my daughter and it brings a smile on my face. Because I think of the wonderful things that have happened in my life as God has taught me to live through his grace. These were some lessons that I learned here at CCC. All first time visitors and members are given a five series CD disc called Saving Grace. I received that CD series the first time I came here. And of course I was attracted to it because it said Saving Grace. So I listened to it right away and my mind was blown. I had no idea that I was living completely opposite of grace. I had been living feeling that I had to prove to God that I was worthy. Part of the reason I was so upset that my daughter died is because I didn't deserve that. I read my Bible, I prayed, I went to church, I fasted, I gave. I didn't deserve that. I had done everything by the law. That's not grace. That's not grace. And I didn't know that I had been living that way until I heard this series and realized that I wasn't living according to the way that God had wanted me to. He wanted me to accept his grace. None of us deserve this. None of us deserve his mercy. But he extended it to us because he loves us. We don't get to determine how things go in our lives. We have to live by God's sovereignty, but I trust that God knows best. And this is not the only life that we're going to live. I will see my daughter again. She's more alive today than I am. And I trust God in that, and I now can live by his grace and trust him. The name Hannah also reminds me of where my transformation took place. Here at CCC, our core values spell out the acronym GRACE. God deserves to be first. Relationships matter. Acts of service. Compassion for others. And everything belongs to God. Because this was something that was so integral and that I learned in this place and, and through this church and it was so it was such a core value to this church, I felt compelled to name, to change my name to Grace. It reminds me of so many things and I'm constantly reminded to live by grace and to know where this 
where this change has taken place in my life. I'm going to pray. Father, I thank you. <clears throat> I thank you for the transformation that you have done in my life and for the transformation that you have done in the lives of your people. Father, I just pray that through this service, God, that they will embrace your grace, God, and learn through their experiences in their life how to live in and through your grace. God, that they would know that you are a God of love and that you love them unconditionally and that they would be challenged and changed, God, to be who you have created them to be. In Jesus' name. The word, the name Hannah is just a symbol. It just reminds me of who I am. So when you ask me what my name is, my response will be in the words of Matthew West, hello, my name is child of the one true king. I've been saved, I've been changed, I have been set free. Amazing grace is the song I sing. Hello, my name is child of the one true king. Amen. <laughs> Thanks again for listening to the Community Christian Church Podcast. For more messages like this and other resources, visit us online at cccsterling.org.